Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the MTG Goldfish Podcast, episode 50. Pretty good milestone. We have something really special in store, and I wanted to announce it this cast. So the crew is with you here, and we have been discussing something really cool to do for our 52nd episode. Now, it seems weird at first, but hear me out. It's our one-year anniversary, 52. We started this cast a year ago, and that will mark one year. So save the date, uh, Tuesday, the 19th of January at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And uh, yeah, we're we're gathering a really interesting show for you all, and uh, we'll be announcing more details next week. And we'll be, uh, you know, hinting at it all through the next two weeks up into the, up until the 19th. But it's going to be really awesome. Uh, I don't want to share ev- every little thing yet, but uh, we're we're going to have a pretty cool show, and it's going to be different. So I will say that it's going to be different. I know we're all very excited about it, but uh, yeah, we're 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 putting something really special together. And uh, really, everyone, thank you for supporting us, sending in fish mail, uh, really awesome uh, support thus far this past year. And, you know, what a way to just put something really awesome together for everyone. And uh, it's going to be special. Thank you, everyone, again. Uh, if, if either of you want to say or anything, add to that. The crew is here. Richard. Hey, guys. Uh, so it's going to be live. So we're going to do something live. Yeah. So 7.30, uh, January 19th. So save the dates. Seth, is, is there anything you wanted to add? Uh, I think you guys covered most of it. Just uh, save the date because we're going to have some sweet special guests. We're working on getting some really cool people in, and I'm, I'm excited about it. This cast is just basically going to be about spoilers. Uh, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the day that we record, gentlemen, but they, re- they, like, they reveal like, the entire set since last week. So we're trying. We're going to keep up with as much spoilers as we can, uh, some a little older than others. Obviously, there's been a week in between. So, uh, but yeah, we're going to talk about uh, a lot of these, uh, Oath of the Gatewatch, again, official spoilers from Wizards <laughs> that, we, that we're going to talk about from all different kinds of angles. Obviously, you'll get our financial uh, kind of uh, anecdotes from Seth and myself. But uh, Richard, oh, and we have one more fish, we have a fish mail to answer at the end. So Richard, why don't you just start us off? We're just going to dive right into spoilers. All right, let's start with Shidron Alignment. It's an enchantment, two generic, one blue. It has hexproof. Uh, at the beginning of your upkeep, you may reveal your hand. If you do, you win the game if you own a card named Shidron Alignment in exile, in your hand, in your graveyard, and on the battlefield. And you can pay one generic, one blue to scry one. So, janky yeah, so... combo finisher. <laughs> what, do you, what do you guys think? So before the cast, we were all kind of scrambling to see if this could be a thing in Legacy or or any other uh, format for that matter. And uh, we've been pulling up some really weird cards like Pull from Eternity. And we question why uh, put a face-up card that's removed from the game. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, Richard, you're kind of our resident older format, well, legacy, really, uh, <laughs> expert here. Does this have, like, any kind of incentive? Did you see any kind of deck forming around this card? Uh, in a tier one deck, no. It's, it's just, like, way too hard to make happen. Uh, so we talked about intuition, which, which lets you put three cards uh, into your graveyard of the same name. Or is it the same name or just any three cards? Any, any, any three cards. Or you have Manipulate Fate, which puts uh, cards into exile of the same name. Uh, but it's really hard to change zones, right? Like, you got to get stuff from exile into your graveyard, or you got to get stuff from uh, your graveyard into exile. So we're thinking, you know, Force of Will or something, but, you know, you could just reanimate a Gristlebrand, or you can show and tell a Gristlebrand, which is just way easier. 
so I don't think it's going to see play in Legacy. Uh, but Standard, I'm interested to see what Seth brews up for this. <laughs> this seems like a very fun card. And I think it could work in Standard in some Tier 3 deck. Well, it certainly seems the odds <laughs> are stacked against you. It's really terrible fun. <laughs> yeah, I am about 100% sure this card is horrible and unplayable, but I'm also 100% sure that I will be playing it and making videos of it, and it will probably be really fun. Uh, I can't imagine a Tier 1 deck coming from this card. You're asking for a lot to go right for, for this to work out, but I think there's a way to build like a wacky Tier 3 deck and for me, I judge how good my decks are based on the look on my opponent's face when they lose to them. And this one's pretty high up there. I think when you all of a sudden reveal your hand and win the game to Hedron Alignment, that ranks up there pretty high with that look of shock and awe that you get from the opponent when you win the game. So I'm definitely going to be trying it, but I don't expect it to be competitive. Yeah, I feel like it gets progressively harder the more, like, the more recent we get in the constructed formats, like standard probably being the hardest, maybe just until April. I mean, you do have dig through time. You do have treasure cruise and stuff like that. So maybe uh, you just don't have like force of will and stuff like that to get into exile. So I, I don't know. It's, it's fun. I definitely feel like people are going to try and make it work. Maybe it does. I mean, you do have intuition, you have force of will. There's, there's definitely a lot of ways to, tutor this up and get it into exile i just don't know how like you get it like back into exile from your into your hand and stuff like that but we tried i mean we we found some we found some cards so they're definitely out there the tools are out there so but uh i don't know i'm just i never really get too excited about these like win the card things like they're they're always kind of insane uh but alternate, I don't know. We'll alternate win conditions that's what magic is made of <laughs> who yeah. wants to win with damage that's that's not fun yeah um <laughs> It did open at $0.49, cents, Seth, so, I mean, I guess you can't really go wrong at $0.50. Cents. I mean, it's always it might always hold that value as, like, a just-in-case, like, people don't really want to let it go. I mean, it's one of those cards that if it just never gets reprinted, it could probably be worth some money eventually. Like, Helix Pinnacle is sort of similar. It's an enchantment with Shroud that's an alternate win condition, and that's, like, 7 bucks. So I think if it just never gets reprinted anywhere, like five years down the road, it could be expensive. But I don't expect much why it's in standard. Well, like, I, is, I yeah. can't imagine it being worth anything. It's not EDH playable, right? So, <laughs> yeah. so you lose, like, a huge chunk of, like, casual, wacky, brewing yeah. appeal there. Yeah, you do. That is a pretty big one. That 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 is uh that might end up sealing its fate here. Oh, wait, is there a card that makes, like, all cards in all zones have the same name? I don't think so. I've looked. <laughs> yeah. That's my idea. <laughs> yeah. It's all right. It's all right. Uh, but let's just keep moving along. Or we, we have a pretty big list here. Here's Kaz's um, favorite card. Of the oh, yeah. Oath of Chandra. No. It's, no. It's Oath of Nyssa. <laughs> One green. Legendary enchantment. When Oath of Nyssa enters the battlefield, look at the top three cards of your library. You may reveal a creature, land, or planeswalker from among them and put them in your hand. Put the rest on the bottom in any order. Uh, second clause, you may spend mana as though it were mana of any color to cast planeswalker spells. Green ponder! Green ponder! Green ponder! <laughs> no. There you go. I said it. I know <laughs> I know. plenty of people are going to comment, but it's Green Ponder. No, it, it's really not Green Ponder, but it, you know, Green definitely is not seeing something like this in a very long time. I know Seth 
dug up from the depths of uh, magic history, Miri's Guile, which seems like eons ago, because it was, it was in Tempest. But, uh, I mean, you're combining some pretty good abilities all for one green. Um, and what's interesting, and like you said uh, over Twitter, Seth, none of these legendary enchantments really care about being legendary since all the abilities are on cast abilities. And I think that's pretty cool. And definitely strength, like, adds to the cause of this card being uh, played. Like, there's there's no reason not to play multiples because... You know, being legendary doesn't mean anything for these, and for this, you're getting a really good uh, return on just a green uh, with the with the on play trigger. So you're really kind of com- combining like anticipate sort of and uh, a mini prismatic omen for planeswalkers into just green, which is a lot of value into just uh, a single green mana cost. So I know I keep harping on this. I, I wanted the cast to be like 45 minutes of just this card. Obviously, <laughs> Seth and Richard shot that down, but that's okay. Uh, I want to hear your thoughts. Uh, I so think it's ahead, okay. Richard, yeah. I think it's okay. I mean, it, it's a good card. You'll see some play. It gives you some selection, but it's it's like a grisly salvage or something, except it's one cheaper and less cards. Uh, if you play Super Friends, it'll be really good because the second ability is very relevant. Uh, I'm pretty sure the way it's worded, though, is you can't use it to cast colorless Planeswalker no. if they existed because it's any color, right? But right. Uh, I don't know. It's It's like a weird anticipate for one mana, right? You have to reveal the card and it's sorcery speed. So I think you'll see play, uh, but it's just an okay card. It's it's not ponder. You can't shuffle. You don't get like four chances at a card. Uh, you can't get spells. You can't get instants or sorceries or things like that. Um, which typically, if you're digging, you're typically finding those because those cards have higher impact. So when you're looking for an answer, you're looking for spells usually. But I think it's good. I think you'll see a lot of play, but it doesn't get me excited as Chaz. I I don't know. It's just a it's just a I mean, good. A good card, a good solid card that will see a lot of play, but not format-defining yeah, I mean, or anything like that. I mean, I just love green, and uh, <laughs> any any argument to, in my you know arsenal to come out and say, like, you know, the green one's the best this time, which it, I think it is in this cycle. Uh, I know, funny aside, when I said uh, the the red oath, uh, oath of Chandra, that we that was revealed after I sent the tweet, uh, that I said, um, don't worry, trust me, the red one's good. Uh, people thought that we were gonna get the actual spoiler on the site and on the cast, so sorry for the confusion there. And uh, yeah, I was I was just kidding. Oath of Chandra isn't that great, but uh, yeah. Uh, what do you think of Oath of Nissa, Seth? Uh, well, I'm not as excited about it as you are, but of course I think not. It's... I mean, it's... <laughs> no one, no one in the whole world is actually. Um, <laughs> I I think it's good, and I think this card benefits a lot from the lack of Elvish Mystics in the format. There just isn't a lot for green decks to do on turn one, so you don't really. There's not much of a cost to running four of these, playing it on turn one, slightly improving your hand, and then off the top in the late game it turns into pretty much whatever you want if you're a green deck. Like, a a dedicated, like, green deck that's mostly green probably doesn't care that much about spells anyway, so searching for a creature, a lander, or a planeswalker is probably fine with them, and the opportunity cost is just so low at one mana. So I think it reminds me a little bit of Ancient Stirrings that it sees play in Tron in Modern. It obviously doesn't dig quite as deep, but I could see it seeing play in Standard just because there's not many options at the one-drop green slot and that it provides value all through the game. It's never going to be bad. It always turns into a better card no matter when you cast it for only one mana. It's an enchantment, so it makes your goif bigger, and I, it's like some that, that terrible card selection. Like, 
Speaking of actually green or uh, ancient stirrings and about green red Tron, I've heard. I don't. I mean, it sounds crazy, but it, it is doable with this card that Tron could splash for cards like Nicole Bolas Planeswalker. So if you think about it, I mean, it is kind of crazy, <laughs> but it could work. All those uh, all those uh, Tron lands all, all of a sudden start casting uh, Nicole Bolas Planeswalkers, and uh, that's pretty crazy if you think about it. But um, in terms of like Jund and stuff like that, I mean. Really, I I guess I mean it makes I mean I I don't know how like uh, valuable it it makes like the mana base be able to pay for Liliana the Veil much easier. I don't know if that's like super relevant and Jund might be, but uh, I mean you are digging pretty deep or not pretty deep, but good enough in modern to for just a green and Jund where you can hit like your Liliana the Veil, a Tarmogoyf, a Huntmaster, Olivia, you know whatever, or just a land. Which is all three things Jund is, you know, okay with getting. And yeah, like I said, the second part, you know, makes casting Liliana the Veil a little easier. I I take it back. I take it back. I don't like it. Because <laughs> you can't <laughs> dig for Lightning Bolt or Terminate or Path, which is actually quite yeah, important. Yeah, but you get you get Tarmogoyf and Huntmaster and all that other good stuff. Yeah, but usually when you're digging, you're trying to find answers and it's probably too late. But I I don't I know. Think... I'm less I'm less optimistic now. I think for me the bigger issue is there's just so many good one drops for a deck like John. You got Inquisition and Thoughtseize and Lightning Bolt. Um, yeah. There's uh, and then Mana Elves. You have Noble Hierarch if you wanted to go that direction or Birds of Paradise. So there's just so much more competition that unlike Standard where this seems perfectly reasonable, I can't imagine you cutting real cards from John so you can like kind of cycle and look at your top three. It just doesn't seem worth it to me. You want to be casting Thoughtseize on turn one, not pulling a Huntmaster out of your top three. Yeah. Uh, others have said uh, maybe this resurrects the mono-green devotion list that has cropped up here and there. Maybe that's just uh, something the deck needed to become relevant again. I mean, it does help in every facet of the game for that yeah, deck. I guess, I guess that is a, a fair point. Yeah. Uh, I took some numbers from... I know Seth loves numbers. I took some numbers from Reddit. Um, so in the current Abzan aggro list, 71% of the time you'll find at least one non-land, uh, non-legal target in that deck. So pretty good uh, return on, on Oath of Nyssa if you were just to play it in Abzan aggro. And obviously there's a lot more uh, options for this to either be built around or included into. My my question would be, though, is what do you cut from Abzan Agro to run a card that just kind of cycles? I don't know off that's, the top of my that, head. But, that for uh, me is the, the bigger yeah. question. Like, yeah, you hit something, but you're going to have to take four creatures out of your deck, and then you're hitting less often, and you get into that whole, like, cycle. of. So I don't know. I mean, it could see play, but I'm not sure. I really like it in ramp decks. I think we're going to say that a lot this cast about different cards, but I really <laughs> think it's good when you – because those decks don't have anything to play. So you can play this on turn one, find a Ugin, find an Ulamog, and then start your ramping on turn two, and it's another way to make sure you have that big hitter in your hand when you get enough mana to cast it. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree there. It, it it definitely is. I mean, you're not really doing else uh, on turn one anyway. There's no Birds of Paradise. There's no Elvish Mystic, like like you said, Seth. So I mean, this is this is great as a turn one drop. But yeah, let's move along. I know right. I'm excited about Oath of Nissa. <laughs> <laughs> we have to dirty green cards. We'll, we'll talk yeah. about Oath of Gideon. Uh, two generic, one white, legendary enchantment. When Oath of Gideon enters a battlefield, put two one-one white core ally creature tokens on the battlefield. Uh, each player, each planeswalker you control enters the battlefield with an additional loyalty counter on it. I mean, I think, think I think this I think, actually has potential to be 
uh, very good. Yeah, I mean, every oath is solid. I mean, even Oath of Chandra is not that great. Uh, I know we were going to briefly talk about it, but all the oaths are really good in, in retrospect, and all of them are really pushing, like, a Super Friends decklist, and I would be very, very surprised if a Super Friends list does not come out of this. I mean, if if, if a Super Friends list can't come out of, uh, out of, like, just having all these tools and Oath of the Gatewatch, then it was just never meant to be. I'm sorry. Like, we're not seeing it again. Uh, but... Yeah, Oath of Gideon, you're getting a lot of, uh, again, return out of three mana. Uh, a mini, and by mini I mean exactly one uh, <laughs> doubling season. And two blockers for just three. And it curves really well into uh, Planeswalker Gideon, which I guess was the point. Yeah, this one doesn't excite me that much, honestly. Like, the unless being an ally matters, the token generation is just so much worse than Raise the Alarm or a card like that that's two mana and an instant. And one extra loyalty, like, how relevant is one loyalty? Like, is your Gideon coming in at five instead of four really, like, that big of a difference in the grand scheme of things? Oh, you get to... It is, right? Get you to get emblem. to minus. Yeah, you get to emblem and it still sticks around. So what you what this basically is... If you live the dream of curving it, right, you <laughs> you pay three, you get two two twos because the next turn you're going to emblem Gideon, and you have two blockers, and Gideon's still alive to make a 3-3 three, three knight the next turn. So that's the dream. In that case, this card is really good. In all other cases, I don't know about this card, right? Three mana for uh, Razor Alarm is pretty bad uh, on its own, right? Um, yeah. But, you know, in the dream scenario, it's really good. Having your Planeswalker, the ones with minus abilities that kill them... Uh, this makes them stick around and makes it really strong. It also works with flip walkers because when they flip, they enter the battlefield, so they'll get the extra loyalty. So I think it's interesting. I, I think people will try it with Gideon, but I don't know if it's worth the inconsistency because when you draw this as a three mana raise the alarm, it, it kind of sucks. Yeah. So, so I don't know if it's worth it for, for living the dream. Yeah. Um, interesting thought, though. Uh, I tweeted out, so in modern, just hear me out, it makes both Tezzerets come in with ultimate. So where we go from there, I don't know. But just so it's out there, both Tezzerets and only those two Planeswalkers come in with ultimate uh, loyalty already uh, up with this card. If those were not Tezzeret, that would be pretty exciting. <laughs> yeah, Tezzeret, right? just, it needs so much help for the ultimate to be good. You already need like a bunch of artifacts on the battlefield. So if it was another Planeswalker, I'd be a lot more excited about that. Well, start digging up your, uh, what are those, field posts or whatever. The, what, what are those? Border, border, border posts. Border posts, yeah. Start, start digging those up and we'll, let's, uh, let's get this going. There's definitely <laughs> something there. I know it. Probably All right, doesn't. and to complete the cycle, we have the other oaths, which we're not excited about. <laughs> two generic, one blue, Oath of Jace. Uh, when he enters the battlefield, draw three, discard two. At the beginning of your upkeep, scry X, where X is the number of planeswalkers you control. And Oath of Chandra, which is one generic, one red. Uh, when it enters the battlefield, you can deal three damage to a creature an opponent controls. And at the beginning of each end step, if a planeswalker enters the battlefield under your control, uh, deal two damage to each opponent. So, I, any of these excite you? They don't excite me, but I think they are both playable, and we'll see play in standard. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Standard is no question. I mean, everyone's not really enamored with Oath of Chandra, and obviously, you know, that makes sense. But it's still a pretty, like, it's a powered-up uh, fiery impulse with spell mastery, and that's uh, good enough. I mean, yeah, its second ability isn't that great, 
But, I mean, yeah, it's just not exciting. I don't know. It's all right, You say it's a sorcery speed lightning strike that can only hit creatures. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's, it's fire impulse. It's not even... I'm not going to sully lightning strike's name just for Odin Chandra, okay? (laughs) Lightning strike can always hit players, at least. It's like lightning bolts, except it costs one more mana and enchantment (laughs) to get only target creatures at sorcery speed. (laughs) The thing is, it's obviously horrible, but Wizards hasn't given us any good options for cards like this in Standard, so it might might be the best of all the horrible options we have in standard at some point in its life. That's my yeah. feeling on it. Because they again, just don't you, give us three yeah. damage burn spells at this point. Yeah, so you don't have to worry about the spell mastery uh, fire impulse anyway. So, I mean, you weren't going to have it on turn one anyway. So, I guess you just play this. And the Jace one is like a a compulsive research almost, or a, a spell like that. Like obviously, it's not really card advantage because you draw two and uh, or draw three and discard two, so you're just breaking even on cards. But it does dig pretty deep for only three mana, so I I think that could see play too in control decks if you think of it as a three mana like divination type spell that gets you one deeper. And what do you know, it, it combos with Jace Vryn's Prodigy, because we needed that, you know. <laughs> we, needed that. We, needed, we needed extra uh, arguments for Jace Vryn's Prodigy, but uh, unfortunately, it does stick around past April, so... <laughs> uh, yeah, so maybe it'll be better once uh, we get to see what uh, Shadows Over Innistrad bring us, uh, because it does ditch two cards to the yard, so that might still be relevant. All right. hey, yeah, go ahead. Oh, yeah, do you have another comment? Well, I was just going to say uh, it, there's a good chance that Innistrad, the new set, will have some graveyard synergies uh, just based on the rumors and stuff going around online. So the Jace, uh, the Jace Oath might be better, like Chad said, then, because I'm pretty sure we're going to have some Graveyard Matters themes in Innistrad. Yeah, I mean, we did get a you know non-official spoiler of one of the cards, so I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> waiting for Forbidden Alchemy. Come on, Forbidden Alchemy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, Inverter of Truth, a Japanese card, two, col- uh, two generic, black-black, uh, it's an Eldrazi, Devoid, Flying. Uh, when it enters the battlefield, exile all cards from your library face down, then shuffle all cards from your library, or shuffle all cards from your graveyard into your library. So, it's a 6-6. Six, six. So, basically, you lose your library, your graveyard becomes your library, hope you win the game before you die. And unfortunately, you can't pull from eternity the cards back from your exile zone because they're face down. Well, I'm yeah. glad it says face down because it's very awkward for game one. You sit down and you cast this thing, and your opponent knows your entire deck inside out. <laughs> I, I, I think if game one you sit down and cast this thing, you have other problems, uh, much bigger problems. <laughs> well, my my first uh, swamp double dark ritual and murder <laughs> truth lose. <laughs> my my first. Uh, thought when that popped into my head when I saw this card was at least it has Devoid, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at the very least, we have Devoid, so I think yeah. that, that uh, definitely makes it playable. I really like Desecration Demon. That was such an awesome card, and then now we get this. Like, I mean, even Abyssal Persecutor was better than this. This is this is like Leveler, I think. Is Leveler <laughs> no, the I, card that exiles your entire library from Mirrodin Block? I'm yeah, you sure remove your library. It was 5, but it was also a 10-10, so yeah. Leveler was... Uh, was a big a big threat. I will say down, yeah. I'm I'm slightly excited about the potential to combo it with Laboratory Maniac in Modern. Just because you can play Laboratory Maniac, exile your entire library, and then just win the game if you can draw a card somehow. I'm sure that's gonna be incredibly horrible, but it sounds like <laughs> a fun thing to try. I'm more I mean, excited could, to yeah. have someone cast this and I play Oblivion Sower. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> 
this uh, uh, I don't know why this is. You want to talk about what's mythic? I mean, I don't know what's the why. Is this, this is clearly mythic. It does something that doesn't make any sense. Unfortunately, <laughs> <laughs> okay. it's not very good. <laughs> okay, that makes sense. <laughs> Wandering fumarole. Uh, enters the battlefield tapped. You can tap it to add a blue or a red. Uh, pay two blue red, so four total. Until end of a turn, it becomes a one four blue red elemental, uh, with the ability to pay zero and switch this creature's power and toughness. It's still a land. Watch out! Uh, what, what's that card from Warwind? Searing spell blades or something like that? Uh, I, I think it's ceaseless sear blades. Yeah. What, what does that card do? Uh, whenever you activate an ability on an elemental, it gets plus one plus zero until end of turn. So basically, you can give it infinite power by just activating the zero over and over again. Modern, modern uh, combo. Here we go. We're ready. Uh, eh. You know, eh, joking aside, I mean, I don't know if that's really like not horrible, but uh, this is pretty good. This is definitely not what every like everyone kind of pegged this as like a. You know, a like a one-two flyer, a one-one flyer that'll draw you and discard you a card. Well, I did anyway, but I, I don't think anyone kind of figured this would be what the uh, blue-red creature land was. But this, I think, this is serviceable. Like, it's not terrible. No, I mean, it's obviously good in standard. Like every creature land. Uh, I don't know about modern though. Do you guys think this has a chance to see play in modern? <sighs> I think it's okay, but yeah. it's in weird colors because uh, the blue-black Creeping Tar Pit is better, and the blue-white uh, Celestial Colonnade is also better. So this yeah. card kind of gets left out. Like, why would you replace those cards with this one? Yeah. But having a 4-1 attacker, uh, you know, when it's unblocked is not bad. Uh, it, it dies to Bolt if you activate it no matter what, but it's okay. But I think the other blue X lands are better, so it won't see much play in modern. Well, it doesn't yeah. die. It doesn't die to bolt though, right? Can't you just zero it again to switch back to a one four? No, like, because at some it? point, because as soon as you act, yeah, that's what, only you, if your you, opponent's really terrible. No, no, it'll have three damage on it, right? And yeah. it'll become a four one again at some point, and it'll just die. Yeah. What? Oh. So if you don't activate it, you're good. But as soon as you activate it, they can bolt it, and no matter what you do, it's gonna die. Ah, so it doesn't go back to being a land before it dies. I'm so confused. The, the damage doesn't reset. Yeah. So it's a 1-4. You activate it to make it a 4-1. Yeah. It's on the stack, and they bolt it, right? And then you, in response, make it a 1-4 again. So it's a 1-4. Oh. It eats a bolt, takes 3 damage, and then it becomes a 4-1 and dies. Yeah. yeah. I, I got Richard's I got right. You. Richard yes, is yes, right. Yes, because, yes. yeah. Yeah. So the, you can't do you, – you, I don't know if you could just, like, draw a game by sitting there activating zero all day, but <laughs> you can't do anything useful. You will not kill my watering <laughs> <laughs> Uh Yes, I was wrong. Very, very good. It doesn't die. I'd rather take this game to time than let you kill this. I, I am a little nervous on Magic Online because you can actually do that. If you have mana floating in your mana pool, you can't F6 to pass your turn. So someone could theoretically just keep activating the zero ability and time you out. That's good. Yeah, so <laughs> I didn't so know I'm, that. <laughs> I didn't know that you could F6 if you have mana in your mana pool. I have had yeah, no, you that can't. to me before. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a you little can't. scary. Yeah, that's only like that's the only time I don't get messed over when I when I have six. <laughs> but now uh, for wandering funeral, I guess I will. So All right. thanks. Hissing Quagmire. It's the green <laughs> black one. Uh, enters the battlefield tap. You can add a green or a black. Uh, one generic green black. It becomes a two two black and green elemental with death touch. It's still a land. Modern playable? No. Uh, 
I don't think it's very good. Although Willie Adele, uh, who is like the green black master in modern said he will, it's horrible, but he will probably be playing it at the pro tour. So I guess it's maybe modern playable just based on that. Yeah. I just, I, the only reason I like instinctively said no is because I mean, I haven't seen, do they still play treetop village? I mean, is yeah. this any better than treetop Everyone village? Plays treetop village. Uh, yeah. So it's like, uh, it's treetop I, village, raging ravine and, uh, Stirring Wildwoods, depending if you're gender absent. But yeah, both decks and all play those seem treetop. a lot better than this. This is really good on defense. Like, it it's one of the yeah, best right. yeah, defensive creature lands they've ever printed, but it's so much worse on offense than all the other options. That it, I don't know if it can really see much play. Yeah, I think it's I think it's worth playing only because it's just, like, really good in some of those, like, creature-heavy matchups, like, especially the mirror. Like, this does gum up, like, the works on uh, the battlefield, but... Yeah, I mean, I just don't know, like, maybe as a one-of, I don't know. But, yeah, Treetop Village, uh, Raging Ravine, and if you're, play, like Richard said, Junk, uh, you're playing Starring Wildwood, those all just seem a lot better than yeah, this. Yeah, so I tend to try out really bad cards in Jund and Absin just to see how they go, and I won't be yeah. trying this. Uh, <laughs> it just seems like there's no point in cutting the other creature lands. But you this. did say you'll be trying Nissa. I would try Nissa. I have a mix in my sideboard <laughs> for fun. Just like, you're trying Oath, right? Yeah. I'll, I no. could try Oath, but I don't yeah, know. It's four bucks right now. Five bucks. I don't want to pay that much. Oath of Chandra. <laughs> this. <laughs> oath Why of Chandra. Would, yeah. Here we go. <laughs> yeah. Just take out Abrupt Decay and just go Oath of Chandra, man. Hey, Abrupt Decay so. kills the Oath. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> it does. It kills all of them. And watch it be relevant when I'm off by one damage on Goyf, and then I Abrupt Decay <laughs> their Oath. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. See? and I'll say, "Look, you listened to Chaz and you died. That's your fault." Or you could abrupt decay your own. I, see, You're, I'm always thinking, Richard. Always thinking. Back, back to the creature lands. I was working on an article about the creature lands, and I think this one is one of the two worst out of the whole ten card cycle. That's my my. Wait, Quagmire? Yeah. No, no. There's no way. How do? You, how is Needle Spires better than this? Well, Needle Spires okay. kills it in combat. Three. three I mean, the, the three worst then. I think Needle Spires, uh, the black red one, which I never remember the name of because no one plays it, and this one I think are the bottom three of all the. The black red one? Oh, that one's horrible. Lava Claw reaches. So you just remembered? Yes, I, I just remembered <laughs> somehow. Because I invoked the, I invoked the anger. In, in, yeah. <laughs> Uh, no, my bottom that, three. Yep. I think that's better than all of the Battle for Zendikar ones. Really, the black red one? Yeah. Okay. It's only three, and you get—I mean, you get fire breathing. That's better than all these like stinky, like uh, hexproof, hollow, good life, hollow things. incarnations of uh, the the creature lands these days. People I actually think... play shambling vents or whatever in modern. <laughs> yeah, shambling vents isn't that bad. I'm not. Yeah. Discounting the black red one though, I think all the World Wake ones are better than all the new ones. Oh yeah, that's yeah. that's not a that's not that's not really open for debate. <laughs> I totally agree. But yeah, I just I don't know, man. I can't I can't let go of lava call lava claw reaches. Uh, I just can't. Bad. <laughs> it's bad. But I I mean people were losing to that card in standard sometimes, so I at least well, have that's to standard. Give all of these cards will be decent. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. All right. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's move on to a mythic, legendary vampire warrior, Kalidas, Trader of Gets. Uh, two generic black black. It's a three four lifelink. If a non creature, if a non token creature an opponent controls would die, instead exile that and put a two two black zombie 
onto the battlefield. Uh, pay two in a black, sacrifice another vampire or zombie, put two plus one plus one counters on Kalitas. So like an Anafenza effect on the opponent, you get a zombie, and it's a 3-4 lifelink for four. This card confuses me, but I think it's really good in standard. Like, just a 3-4 lifelink for 4 is good, and it does a lot of stuff. If you can just, like, cast removal spell on your opponent's creature and get a zombie out of it, that's a lot of value for 4 mana. Yeah, I I think, like, the instant debate of this was, does does this see play over in modern, like, Pia and Kirin Noir? So that's that's a pretty interesting debate. I don't know where people are going to be or lean one way or another, but I mean this is still a good like like you said, Seth. This is a lot of value uh, for this card, and I would be very surprised if this does not get cat like resolves in standard, maybe even modern, because lifelink is kind of a big deal, and uh, it does produce a lot. It could potentially produce a lot of uh, additional creatures, and then use those creatures to make this even larger. So. Dodges all the relevant uh, removal except path, but uh, I mean, I don't know if it replaces Pia because Pia is used as like a like board control card, right? This I think would replace maybe a Huntmaster or something. Yeah, just like gains you life and stabilizes. Or or Olivia. Yeah, or maybe Olivia, but Olivia is like still good. Oh yeah, I know. <laughs> do, you, do you guys uh, remember uh, Blood Bloodlord of? Something. I don't know. The five mana black white protection from black and white guy with lifeline. Blood Lord of Viscopa? Viscopa. Do you remember how yeah. much he would shut down like a red deck? Like you could just play that and win the game. I think yeah. that once rotation happens and we don't have Become Immense and Teamer Battle Rage anymore, this card is at its worst is gonna be an awesome sideboard card against red decks. Like how do they or deal even- with four toughness and lifelink? Roast. Yeah, I mean, I think it would just be main deck. No, you lose roast. Yeah, you? but they gotta right. have a replacement roast, right? How else do you kill a siege rhino or anything? Well, they lose siege rhino. Too. Uh, yeah, they lose siege oh, rhino. Assuming there'll be another overpowered yeah. green creature. But, and the other thing is, like, once you get one activation, then it dodges everything. It goes to a five six, and then you're looking at like hard removal, uh, ruinous pass, and ultimate prices to get rid of it. So I think this card is going to be a nightmare against aggressive decks. It's going to be so good. Yeah, I mean, Richard, I think they gave us a. Don't you get processor assault? Come on, there you go. There's roast, <laughs> double oath of Chandra. <laughs> Processor Assault, there you go. Alright, moving on. <laughs> uh, Aldrazi Displacer. Uh, it's a white card. It's a 3-3. Three, three, two generic, uh, one white. It's a Aldrazi. Devoid. Pay two and a colorless. So colorless mana. Uh, three total. Exile another target creature. Then return it to the battlefield tapped under its owner's control. Yeah. So, so it's not... Three mana yeah. blink. And you can blink for as much mana as you have. So it's not white, Richard. It's devoid, okay? It has no color. Oh, that's, that, that is true. It's a yeah. white colorless card. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got to remember that, you know, those those pesky devoid uh, cards there. But um, you were talking about death and taxes for this? Yeah, maybe? I, I don't know. I don't know. People have been... I've been reading some comments on it. I don't know if it's strong enough, but you can blink a lot of creatures uh, that are annoying, like Aven Mind Sensor, Stoneforge Mystic, and just blinking stuff to blank removal. Uh, but it's also three mana, which is a ton of mana because typically you have used your lands to lock down your opponent, like Rashad and Port Wasteland. Uh, but maybe I, I don't know. It, it has potential because there are a lot of bad three threes that are played in that deck, so possible to gain value. But uh, I think it's unlikely. But I think people will try. Maybe 
This is no yeah. Rin Wingmare. This is this is no All Star. <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah, it's it's pretty good. I mean, you're getting decent return. I mean, it's three for a three three, and then I mean, if 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 it's not dealt with, and obviously you'd be playing this alongside like Siege Rhino and all these crazy cards like Winvala, obviously would get a boost from this. Um, yeah, it could start doing some pretty insane stuff. So I think it's pretty good. It's one of the stronger rares in the set. Uh, for sure. And like I said, unchecked, it does good things. If not, it's just a three mana three three. But and actually, I think in white, a three mana three three is still pretty good in aggressive white yeah. pack. I was just looking on gatherer. Uh, so for two colorless and one white, there's only been one other three three for three ever printed. Uh, discounting like weird cards like haunted angel, where you get a three three for three, but give your opponent a three three for three at the same time. But frontline medic mm-hmm. is the only three three for three. And that saw some play just as, like, an aggressive curve topper in a white aggro deck. So I think that this card is playable just based on its stats being above the curve for a white deck. It's okay, but right. white, car- white decks have access to two mana, three ones. Like uh, a quarter yeah, paladin, but... or... There's a bunch of those two mana, three ones, which give you the same power in... for an aggro deck. In standard? I don't know about current standard, but there's been a couple of them. Yeah, there are. Core I mean, Castigator even, uh... and Go, go yeah. Ahead. Well, like I was saying, like you mentioned uh, the frontline medic. I mean, that's that saw play. It was good enough to see play like in white decks because it had the like relevant creature types. I know like back then it was like uh, uh, humans was kind of like a, a thing with um, uh, what was it? The two mana two two first strike. Uh, I can't remember now. Anyway, and it, and it kind of also dealt with um, Sphinx's Revelation. This is kind of like the same thing like it, it's a three mana three three and also does something else so I, I think it's definitely got a legitimate shot i think we gotta at least mention the infinite combo and standard so there is yes. an eldrazi i can't think of the name it's a six drop that makes three scion tokens when it comes into play uh so you can play that get the three scion tokens then sack the scion tokens use uh this card to blink the other eldrazi get the tokens again and basically you get an infinite loop where you get three death triggers every iteration. And if you have a Zulaport Cutthroat or something on the battlefield, it's just an instant win combo. You can infinitely sack creatures and blink the Eldrazi to keep making more Scions. Yeah, so I got you, Seth. It's Brood Monitor. It's four generic and double green for 3-3. Three, three. Uh, uh, and it puts you. three Scions, yeah. So yeah, that is that is an infinite combo in standard right now. I mean, it's not too terrible. <laughs> I mean, yeah. but it is it is uh, it is three cards. And you you can you don't have to tap it or anything as long no. as you have enough colorless mana, which yep. is probably the bottleneck. Like you could siege Rhino and then double blink it for like six damage, six life. Yeah. Right. Like it's pretty crazy, there's, but you probably yeah, can't have the double. You can't pay the double colorless with siege Rhino, but. So there is definitely like there's there's definitely cards to abuse this with. Like you do have Winvala, you have uh, siege Rhino for a while at least. You have uh, even like Green Warden of Marasa. I mean, you you have things that are in standard that could definitely be uh, manipulated with this card. I don't know. Yeah, Reflector Mage. uh, That's a pretty big one. Um, I don't know if it sees modern play. I know some people were, I mean, there's always like that conversation, but I just don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It could be a permanent and you can blink the oaths. (laughs) (laughs) That would be insane. That would be insane. But unfortunately, it can only blink creatures. Yeah, Reflector Mage in this seems pretty good, too. But I'm pretty... I'm, overall, I, I think it's good. Seth, uh, I know, like, uh, just to have some little bit of a financial anecdote in here, some of these are pre-ordering, like, Kalidas is pre-ordering for seven ninety nine. 
this one, the Displacers pre-ordering for three ninety-nine, I think. Uh, yeah, four ninety-nine actually. Ugh. Yeah, that's a little steep for a rare. Uh, the Kalidas might not be horrible, but it is legendary, so it's hard to know how many of those would see play. And seven ninety-nine is a lot if it's not going to be a four of, which it might not be because it's legendary. Right. I mean, Pia and Kieran though are usually played. I mean, again as a two of. I mean, yeah. What are you, are you paying like eight bucks for a two of? Is and, it that good? Maybe it is. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, and at least PN Karen, like, doesn't really get stuck in your hand. It's almost like the Oath, because right. you can play it and get more Thopter tokens, even if you Legend Rule yourself. Right. This, you're not really left with anything. So. Yeah, so, I mean, I don't know. I, I am going to be working on the Expected Value article this week and having it up this weekend, and then I'll Great. feel a lot more comfortable, like, talking about specific cards, because I just haven't really broken down the whole set value yet to know if it's too high or too low, if things have to go up or down or whatnot, so. Yeah. I've been looking at a few of these and, and, and doing uh, spoilers, like just writing about them. And some of these are, I think, are okay at their pre-order price because there's, I mean, even the oats, like they probably won't go up or down too much because they always have like that outside, uh, you know, uh, appeal. But some of these, yeah, I would stay away from. Yeah. Yep, I agree at this point. Yeah. Uh, did we have any more, Richard? Yeah, we have two more. Uh, okay. Sylvan Advocate. Uh, yeah, this was new. This, is, this just happened, like, 20 minutes before we started the cast. <laughs> yeah. uh, one generic, one green. It's a 2-3 uh, Vigilance. Who wants to guess its creature type? Uh, ally? Something ally? Elf Druid ally. Uh, yeah. There we go. This thing, like, <laughs> warrior. <laughs> as long as you control six or more lands, Sylvan Advocate, and land creatures you control get plus two, plus two. So it becomes a... Basically a timer going for four or five if you have six or more lands. Uh, otherwise, it's a two-three vigilance for a two mana. At first glance, I didn't really like care for this card, but now that I keep looking at it, it's really not that bad. Like it's a pretty good card. Um, so I don't know. I mean, it's definitely no Tarmogoyf, but with six lands, that's not a huge. Like that's not like a big restriction. And later on in the game, it's just you know two mana four five with vigilance, which is pretty good return. I mean. It's pretty basically a siege rhino, but yeah, you don't get the trigger, obviously. I I potentially like it in the Eldrazi ramp decks in standard right away, just because you can get to yeah. six lands on like turn four sometimes, and that's a pretty big beating, a four or five. Um otherwise I think it's mostly an April card after rotation. Yes. Uh, then maybe it'll fit in Abzan Agro or something like that once some of the other good options in that slot leave the format. Yeah, yeah, we definitely talked about that. This is definitely more an April card where, I mean, we looked, I mean, even Abzan Ergo, I mean, there's not really much you're going to cut. I mean, you're not really going to cut Den Protector or Warden of the First Tree or any of those cards. So uh, when Cons and Fate Reforge rotate, then I think we can sit down and reevaluate this card because I, I do think it's good enough for sure. Uh, for Modern, I don't know. I mean, that's, I mean, Six Lands, I, I guess is not, terrible like it's not that big of a barrier literally impossible in modern <laughs> what? no jund jund and jund get to six uh, no so i i used to play abzin and i switched to jund because getting to four mana for siege rhino was like such a grind it's very difficult really so unless you're uh playing like some kind of ramp deck like i don't know like scape shift or something or uh you know, some kind of dedicated ramp deck. Getting to six is pretty hard to just basically get a goif. Why don't you just play a goif and be done with it? I <laughs> well, guess. So I, I don't see it being a big deal in modern. 
it seems like it has to rank behind Goyf and Scavenging Ooze, which means where does yeah. it really fit in the format? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I think standard is where it's at, and I think ramp decks, uh, it might find a home in ramp decks, like Seth said. Uh, but we'll we'll see more once we know what kind of two drops we have. Because if there's like a two mana three three or three mana four four, then uh, this starts looking pretty bad until you get six lands. Yeah, yeah. So standard uh, role player, if anything. All right, last card, Linvala the Preserver, four generic white white, so six total mana. Uh, Angel, 5-5, legendary creature, flying. Uh, when Linvala enters the battlefield, if an opponent has more life than you, you gain 5 life. When Linvala enters the battlefield, if an opponent controls more creatures than you, put a 3-3 white angel token uh, with flying onto the battlefield. So 6 mana, 5-5, flying. Uh, if your opponent is ahead, basically like kindly reinforcements here <laughs> with the white angel creature. Yeah. Um, I... I saw the comparison to Thragtust. This is not Thragtust, people. Thragtust doesn't care about what your opponent's doing. It's always giving you the five life, and it's always giving you the three three. So um, <laughs> that being said, I think it's definitely strong and standard. This is pretty good. I mean, for six man, I mean, at the very worst, you're getting a five five flying for six, which is kind of like a, I guess, a limited card, but um, <laughs> <laughs> which is a terrible but, card. <laughs> yeah, but. Uh, I think one of the conditions will likely be met most of the time. I don't think there's going to be a huge percentage of you whiffing on both of them. Well, and if you're playing with, like, blue-white control or something, you should be in a position to be hitting both of them most of the right. time. So so I think in specific decks, this card is going to be awesome. If you're a slow control deck that's going to be behind on life and likely on creatures, this is an awesome play on turn six. Like, better than Wingmate Rock. It's just so good. But then if you're another deck and you're trying to beat down or you're going to be playing creatures, then this is really hit or miss. And I think it would be maybe, like, a sideboard card for mid-range against, like, burn or really dedicated aggro matchups where gaining five and being, like, a obstinate Bayloth might be good enough. Yeah, I mean, it's just, I mean, a lot of six-mana stuff has to be really good. I mean, you look back, you see Elspeth as kind of, like, the the bar for six-mana stuff, and, I mean, this is, again, this is great. It, it's a big threat. It, it has evasive, like, it's evasive, which is great, but, yeah, like... I don't know. It's good where it's good, and it's, like, not so good anywhere else. And the the other issue is we're in this Eldrazi format, so yeah. card, cards like this that might be awesome in most standards still get outclassed by the 10-man Eldrazi. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're, you're playing this, you're like, okay, I'm playing Ulamog again. Like, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, I, don't I, don't, I don't really like this card. It's, it's really expensive, and it doesn't do enough. It, it's kind of like main decking timely reinforcements. Like, you wouldn't really do that. I would. Uh, so you might <laughs> you might use it as a sideboard card, but even then, it doesn't seem that impactful. But... And that's why you don't play modern that much. <laughs> <laughs> so EDH general probably too Yeah, on this cast, we'll fit straight with, to with, angel decks. How about that? On, on this cast with Seth here, anything could go into EDH. <laughs> much. That's yeah. six mana plus. It actually <laughs> turns that uh, you shouldn't play expensive cards as your general EDH because it dies once and you never cast it again. Yeah, sorry for anyone. Dropping some uh, knowledge we're, there. We're, we're uh, <laughs> en- en- enraging about uh, our EDH uh, uh, views, but sorry. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's, that's it. Yeah, we got it. Yeah, we got a ton of spoilers. I mean, we could obviously dedicate more time, but uh, we 
I mean, we already dedicated a lot of time. We always do, like, with these casts, and I have a feeling, like, every after every set, I always say to you, Seth, like, we, we make, like, four hours worth of podcasts and, like, you know, 6,000, 7,000 words on, uh, on, on uh, cards for spoilers. So I think, uh, I think we did a pretty good job at, at picking out which ones to talk about. Um, obviously, there's going to be a little – we're not quite finished yet. I think we have about 80-some-odd cards left. So is this week the last week for spoilers? I it think is. it might be. Yeah, I think Friday we get everything. Is this is GP Oakland this weekend? Maybe. I think so. Yes. It, it should be the beginning of January, so which is now. Be, because they are doing a two-headed giant like world premiere for Oath of the Gatewatch at GP Oakland. So the whole set has to be spoiled because people are playing those cards this weekend, a week before the pre-release. It is at, this weekend. It is this weekend. 8th eight, eight to the 10th. So the whole set will be known by that at the latest because the cards will be out in the wild at GP Oakland. Should I go? You can get a Stoneforge Mystic. Hmm. Mm. But I don't want to yeah. play standard. Hmm. <laughs> is it standard? Uh, is it wrong to go to a GP and just play like side events? No. Absolutely not. But is it actually worth it? Like, why don't I just go to my local game store and play the side events? Because <laughs> you don't get a Stoneforge Mystic. No, you don't get a Stoneforge unless you register for the main event. Well, you Stop. could register and drop. So pay yeah. $70 for Stoneforge. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, hey, you get some tokens. You get a, 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 I don't, I get like a, a mat. You get a play mat. You get Ugin's yeah. Insight or something. I don't know what this card is. Oh, God. It is Ugin's Insight, yes. Uh, don't pass on that for $70. Yeah, that might not be worth it if you don't want to play standard. You get $10 off a purchase of $25 or more. <laughs> I, don't yeah. know what you're, I don't know what you're buying. <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm buying a playset of Stoneforge Mystics, so just what four, is four actual, registrations. <laughs> what is the actual package to have side event stuff? Is that the 150 Oh, please tell me it's not the 150 I think it is. Uh, they usually have like some kind of like battle bracelet thing where you can pay a fixed rate and just enter the, as many events as possible. It's the 150. But that's usually not worth it unless your plan is going like O2 drop every event because you can't actually like <laughs> play all the events. You don't have enough time to do it to like make it worth it. It's like yeah. very, very difficult. You get but, a for the yeah for the 150 one you get a free daily VIP draft every day. So three drafts. Quote unquote free. <laughs> Pay one fifty, get a ten dollar VIP draft. Yeah, whatever that means. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't think it's uh, it's worth it. What do you guys? So now there's a lot of grumbling about how the next Pro Tour is modern, and everyone's like, "Why is it modern? This is terrible. This is dumb." Uh, I don't know why. <laughs> unfortunately, <laughs> last year we all we all uh, petitioned wizards to bring back yeah, the modern Pro Tour, and now, now we have all it, the no credit card decision. Yeah, uh, I'm not. I, standard. No, I'm not. I, I think the I think a modern Pro Tour is gonna be cool. I don't think yeah. every like sometimes no, like I mean we how many, yeah I mean how many standard like bad limited <laughs> where like it's really hard to follow limited on coverage. Well, when it what it's in March, right? No, What's February. In, February. I mean, Richard, what are I mean? Wh- I I doubt we'll see that many new cards anyway. It's just gonna be like Mantis Rider versus Rhino still. So. Well, that's the thing. If this was a standard Pro Tour, what we would have is a million people complaining because it looks exactly like the format we have now, and none of the exactly. new cards are seeing play. And then the next set's in April. It's like what three months from now? No time at all. And then that's a standard Pro Tour with a rotation. So we're gonna see a whole fresh format. Yeah. And that's gonna be awesome too. I'm. So excited for that! I think that's 
Yeah, I think that's paced better. Like, I'd rather, like you said, Seth, I'd rather see that, like a rotation pro tour where you have all this new stuff rather than, like, see where Oath of the Gatewatch fits in to, like, Siege Rhino stuff. They should just make three (laughs) format pro tours. Limited, standard, modern. (laughs) Or just get rid of limited and run them like an invitational. Have them be standard and modern. You gotta showcase limited. That's that's the other bread and butter format, though. Yeah. It's such bad watching. Yeah, it's really hard to follow. Watching limited. It is. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. I definitely tune out for that just so. uh, But it's the only chance to see all the new cards. (laughs) Yeah. Otherwise, you see like five new cards during standard. And I guess that's the thing. We'll still get to see all the oath cards in the limited event. So it still kind of works out, even though it's a modern pro tour. Yeah. Uh, I mean, what is good? I I don't watch the limited part. (laughs) (laughs) I don't either. I don't either. But no, I mean, Richard, you are going to see like all new cards at this next standard uh pro tour so i mean it's it's like sometimes you just see not that many with battle for zendikar and now this one you're seeing all new cards because it's like no more uh i mean it's basically just dragons and oath that's left yeah i mean we'll see with dragons the, and origins with the b and r announcement if, if there's no shake up with the modern format it's gonna be really oh boring. yeah but hopefully they shake it up and hopefully it's not just banned bloom titan I'm really yeah, they I, need to enable new decks. Like I don't know that banning Bloom Titan would enable any new decks. You would just see the I other mean, decks reconfigured. <laughs> well, Stoneforge Mystic. Stoneforge Mystic. Go. Bloodbraid Elf. Uh, there you go. Bloodbraid Elf into Coligan's Command. It's not going to happen, but I want to see Commander is legal and modern. That to be the only thing they do with the BNR announcement. But you haven't you know, finished I, your series yet, so how can people yeah. steal the idea? I'm <laughs> waiting I for your analysis. <laughs> I love that series since we've talked about that so many times on this cast. Like, I can't remember how many times we talked about that. But I think, like, I love what you're doing. I think the way it would work is if they were going to start making them modern legal, it wouldn't be retroactive. Like, I think they would have to start designing for them here on out. Like, I don't think you, like, going back through and, like, banning, like, you know, 50 cards or, like, 20 cards or something is not really good to do yeah no that's that's probably a fair point but i hope they get some of those cards from the commander series into modern one way or another because there are some cards that would be really sweet in modern that have already been printed in commander right just reprint those and then just leave like true name nemesis and on the wayside yeah that would that would work (laughs) yeah but yeah i i mean i love the series like i said we've talked about this so many times i think it is like an untapped uh you know, resource to inject more cards into the modern format without going through standard. Or like other people said, and we've talked about this too, just make like conspiracy or something, like one of those sets, like modern legal. Yeah. I don't know, like people said modern masters, and then like we kind of retorted with like, you're not going to get too much uh, value out of that when the packs are nine ninety nine and you... Uh, oh, just look at Eldrazi Temple and Uncommon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> did, did not work out well. Yeah, especially yeah, and and especially if there's new cards like and it's a limited printing, like that's just disastrous. That just has disaster written all over it. Yeah, the supply would just be way too low. They can't I don't yeah. think they could do it with new cards in modern math. Yeah, at least like the commander product like it's it's pretty like I go into all the big box stores. They're pretty well stocked like for a good solid year. At yeah. least, if I, not more. I think I still have 2014 decks on the yeah, of my I, local I, stores. I mean, yeah, I keep saying that. Like, people still have the, the old ones discounted, like, 10% off at the big box stores. So, there definitely wouldn't be a supply issue on that one. Yeah, but, there, uh, there shouldn't be. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I think that about does it for this. Let's let's do this uh, this fish mail real quick. So, we have a fish uh, mail from out. at Maynard. Uh... <laughs> How 
how about generic mana is called clear and colorless mana is called gray? What? Uh, <laughs> let's. Uh, it's 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 confusing enough as it is. I, I think we should uh, just leave it to generic and colorless. We'll, we'll we'll see how they do it during the pro tour, and that's our official way going forward. Well, like I said before the cast, um, I don't know if either of you heard the uh, Top Eight Magic podcast. They're they're kind of back. Uh, with uh, Brian David Marshall and Mike Flores, and uh, Brian David Marshall was calling it waste mana. So I mean, if your <laughs> front runner pro tour commentator is getting it wrong, I don't think we need to throw out more terms out there. Okay, like let's just leave it to generic and colorless for the <laughs> sake of keeping things, uh, uh, you know, not confusing. I don't know why they call it waste either. Wasteland. There's a card called Wasteland already, guys. <laughs> why? <laughs> Well, I, you know... How about, like, barren? Barren planes. Oh, wait, no, that doesn't work. (laughs) It's very hard. I think we just stick to colorless and generic. Colorless and generic. (laughs) Yeah. 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 All right, but, yeah, we wanted a shout-out. Thank you for the uh, fish mail. I think that about wraps it up, gentlemen. Is there anything out the door? I think you wanted to briefly say something about Star City, Richard? I don't know. I just was wondering if you guys wanted to talk about the the hyped Eldrazi deck that's causing waves and... MP oh yeah, finance and pricing yes, me out yeah. of the let's, <laughs> Yeah, let's uh, let's talk about that real quick out the door. Um, so yeah, cards like Eye of Ugin, Eldrazi Temple, and basically anything that's in that deck right now is getting uh, a significant price increase. Um, I mean, I don't know why anyone's really surprised. The deck has been doing some pretty solid finishes on on uh, Magic uh, online mocks and and dailies. Uh, not that like that should cause any significant uh, buyout when you know that it hasn't really posted a really good like GP finish or uh, uh, Star City finish, but it did. It it, it did sh- actually show up and it it looked pretty convincing. So the deck is definitely a thing. I think from uh, there was a turn- tournament report on Reddit from someone that piloted it pretty far into the tournament day two at least. And said that the deck is definitely a thing. So uh, I'm not really too surprised. Uh, it is a little crazy that they're spiking uh, such drastic amounts. But it is modern season, and this is kind of be like this is kind of expected. Uh, I don't know what you have to say about the subject, Seth. Yeah, and I think I agree with what you're saying. Plus, it's also just the kind of deck people want to play. Like you're casting right, these big right. Eldrazi on turn three, <laughs> right. and so it's it's a fun deck to play. So not only is it competitive and winning events on Magic Online, and it did well this weekend at Star City Games. I think someone came in tenth playing a black white version, but it's also just like has an appeal to it that's going to make people buy these cards. So I'm not surprised that it's increasing. I've been playing the deck a little bit on Magic Online, and my perception of it is it is a real deck and will probably stick around, but I don't think it's, like, format-breaking or anything. It's not, like, the new best deck right. in modern, but it's a it's a playable, and it could end up being, like, a Tier 2 or even Tier 1 deck. Yeah, and which, which leads me to believe that these huge price increases aren't going to stick for that much longer. I mean, obviously they won't go back down to the prices that they were, you know, they were at like 50 cents for the uncommons and like $2 for Ayavugan. But um, I do think it will cool off a bit. I mean, a lot of people are just saying like, I mean, you're already doing this stuff pretty much with Tron and Tron's a pretty established deck list. So is it really better than Tron? I don't know. The, the jury's still out. But uh, it, it definitely is fun, like you said, Seth, and people just want to play something that's new and modern, um, I, and I totally understand that. Um, there are other cards that have been increasing quite a bit and ha- are no surprise to me, cards like Scapeshift, cards like um, 
basically scapeshift, uh, like Gadaki, <laughs> stuff like that. But no, those are all like modern cards, but more more fringe than uh, others. Cards like scapeshift obviously have been just you know been ripe for the taking. I mean, if that that makes sense, because uh, there's been no. I mean, people should have caught on when it wasn't reprinted in Modern Masters 2015. I mean, it, it still has no reprint. Uh, so that's really not surprising at all, and especially because people are now more interested in Scapeshift than they have ever been before. Yeah, so the modern Pro Tour is coming up, so it's no surprise yeah. that demand for modern cards is higher. Uh, I'm personally peeved because I wanted to play this Eldrazi deck. Yeah. <laughs> my local game store, it's it's all Jason Tassiger, so yeah. playing main deck Graveyard Hate with like Aldrazi to go over the top seems so sweet. But then I looked at the price tag of these cards and I'm like, what? And the good news yeah. is I'm now rich with my Relic of Progenitus's $5 a card for some reason. Uh, I think everyone is. Uh, Aldrazi Temple, Uncommon, what's it? $5, $7 now? Yeah, somewhere in that Quite range. Quite ridiculous. And I have Ugin's like 15 20 somewhere in that range. Yeah, so missed the boat on it. Gonna have to wait for the hype to die down and everyone forgets about yeah. the deck. And then uh, you can probably play Eldrazi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, yeah, another uh, interesting price increase from that list is uh, Wasteland Strangler. Both foil, well, the foil first and now the non-foil creeping up as well, just like uh, Painful Truths did. Yeah, I so, mean, it's, um, it's one of the keys yeah. to the deck, so it's not surprising. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a one mana three two that kills a lot like a million things in ma- uh, in modern uh, in that deck list. So that's like insane uh, because with Eldrazi Temple out, it's it's literally just one black. And with Urborg, you just tap it with the, t- the temple. Yeah, that is the crazy part of the deck is you get basically eight different soul lands that tap for two mana, or like you said, the Eye of Ugin kind of taps for three mana sometimes, which it's like you're playing a legacy mana base, like for Sneak and Show or something in Modern. It feels, when when you get the Nut Draw, which is basically like having the right combination of lands where you can cast Oblivion Sower on turn three, the deck feels insanely powerful. Like when you have yeah. to, but then there's also times because you're playing all these legendary lands that you open up with like double Urborg, <laughs> double Eye of Ugin, and you just do nothing. And it's horrible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, like, like I said, it definitely has like its pros and cons, but it is an interesting new list, and the the hype and the the uh, price increases are definitely warranted and not surprising. And but uh, some of them are a little weird, like Gadok Teague. I don't know. And basically, I basically built this deck in standard. It was like the first budget magic of Battle for Zendikar <laughs> yeah. was like this exact list, and now it's winning in modern, which is like the weirdest thing. It's just. Just so odd to see it working in modern somehow with like Blight Herder and these cards that just why? <laughs> but I mean, uh, Blight Herder is a pretty good card, for all things considered, especially when it's like four mana instead of six with I. Remember during the Pro Tour, uh, they were talking about, oh, I'm surprised there's no Eldrazi ramp deck. Well, here they are. There it is. <laughs> modern, modern standard yeah. now, right? Oh, wait, Herder's five, isn't it? So it's three with uh, Temple out. Or Eye of Ugin out. Right, yeah. And it's oh, basically yeah, it's basically free if you have can activate the processor ability because you get three mana back in the tokens. Right. So, yeah, yeah, you do. It's insane. But yeah, um, in terms of uh, just one last uh, thing going out the door, uh, so we had a commentator change. I know you kind of wanted to briefly talk about that. Um, I- I'm, I'm pretty good with it. I think, um, I mean, everyone's really expecting a lot, like, the first time uh, the the new commentator change for Star City uh, happens, and I think that was kind of a little asking a little too much. But I, I'm liking the the new commentator, and I think uh, Cedric and uh, what's his name now? 
Craig Kempels, I think, something Craig like that. Craig Kempels, yeah. I think they were, yeah, they stand in, and he was standing in admirably, and I, I think they are, going forward, I'm liking the team. They're, they're, they're solid. Yeah, I thought he did a really good job. Obviously, no one's going to jump in on their first broadcast and replace right. Patrick Sullivan, who is just probably the best or like top three magic commentators in the whole world. So it's like you said, it's expecting a lot for him to jump in and replace Patrick Sullivan, but he was very watchable. He was funny. Like I watched a lot of the broadcast and the chemistry I think between him and Cedric will develop as they go along. So I think they made a good replacement choice. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. I mean, yeah. Asking for like, Super awesome chemistry and, like, basically just, like, going, like, unnoticed was a lot to ask for. Obviously, there's going to be a change. But, I, yeah, he did a great job. Uh, congratulations to the uh, to the new commentator, Craig Kempels. Uh, you did a great job, if you're listening. <laughs> and Cedric, always A-plus uh, A plus effort and uh, uh, production right there. So uh, anything else? Anything quick? I think we covered everything. Yeah, all right, so that's going to wrap up episode 50. Again, uh, everyone kind of saved the date, the 19th. We're going to have a really sweet show uh, we're, we're building uh, there for everyone, and I think everyone's going to really enjoy it and to mark our one year for doing the, the cast. Uh, gentlemen, great cast. Uh, we will do this again next week. This is uh, the MTG Goldfish crew signing out.